Today, we're watching Star Trek The Next Generation. When the Enterprise discovers a scientist who they thought was lost, they'll have to race against time to stop his work. Also, Picard season X for some reason. From April 30th, 1988, it's season one, episode 23. We'll always have Paris or let's do the time warp again. Again. <laughs> I'm Cam, that's Dan, and we are the Mech Generation. Certainly are, Cameron. We certainly are. And we'll always have Paris. We just might, <laughs> for whatever reason that is. You know, character development, that's why. Sure. sure. That's what I got out of this. That was, <laughs> let's go with, let's go with that. Oh, man. Oh, yeah, this is, this one, this one felt like it was two different episodes fighting for control. As to which episode this was actually going to be, it felt a little, a little one way and then a little another way. It was, it was something. Yeah, there was definitely some idiotic, uppy downy. I mean, I was real worried because they started off by saying they were going on shore leave, so I thought it was going to be a much worse. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yep. Don't stay too long in the hollow deck and never go on shore leave. Those are good lessons. Those are good lessons. Oh, but we should probably tell people what happened in this one, yeah? We probably should. Okay. On Stardate 41697.9, the Enterprise, along with other ships in the sector, experience a localized time distortion. And our favorite characters see themselves in the turbo lift. They soon after receive a distress call from Dr. Paul Mannheim in a nearby system. Captain Picard recalls that Mannheim was ejected from the Federation Science Institute for conducting unauthorized experiments. Yeesh. They find the distress what? signal coming from a facility on a planetoid surrounded by a force field. When they make contact with the facility, a woman requests help to save her husband, Dr. Mannheim, and lowers the shields. The two are brought aboard while Dr. Crusher tends to Dr. Mannheim, who is having convulsions. Picard discovers his wife is Janice. Picard's former lover. Janice warns that her husband was working privately in his laboratory, but that she didn't know what he was working on. She also alerts the crew to numerous security protocols that he installed at the facility. As the crew prepares to send an away team to investigate, they experience more time distortions, described by Data as the newly coined Mannheim Effect. <laughs> oh, come on. Dr. Mannheim recovers long enough to explain that he was doing experiments involving time, gravity, and funnels to other universes, and suspects that his last experiment is running out of control. Mannheim explains that he is trapped between two dimensions, and Data determines <laughs> that the experiment must be shut down during a time fluctuation, or else it will simply grow larger. Mannheim provides the crew with the correct coordinates to beam down to avoid security fields. Picard admits to Janice... Janice, Janice, Janice that he was worried about losing her again after he left Paris and vows to correct Dr. Mannheim's experiment because stuff. As he's affected by the distortions, Data is sent down 
alone, you know, because some line about him viewing time as a constant, whereas the humans don't. It's a good time. Uh, he is sent down to disable the remaining security measures before man before entering Mannheim's laboratory. He finds a column of energy emanating from a <laughs> dimensional matrix, the source of time distortions. Data, though briefly affected by the time distortions, is able to add antimatter to the matrix, causing it to stabilize and halt the distortions. Dr. Mannheim fully recovers after the distortions leave, because he is no longer in two dimensions, and he and Janice thank Picard and the crew for their help. Picard and Janice use the holodeck to recreate one more encounter at a Paris cafe before she returns with her husband to the planet. And so ends will always have pain. Jenny, c'est quoi? Mm-hmm. Cameron. Yes, Dan. I, I am struck by the fact that the, the number one thing that I just have to say uh-huh. before we say anything else is when Picard made a simulation of Paris and interacted with people, and this is supposed to be the 20 years ago when he was there, they all had French accents. They did. That's all I'm going to say, is they all had French accents. Yep. So I just... Just has to be said <laughs> before we go any further that French accents do exist at a character named Jean-Luc Picard does not have one so that being said he does when he speaks french sure but uh you know when i speak uh italian it sounds like grazie prego denator you know (laughs) denator um i i don't uh i don't switch over to a flawless italian accent unless i'm trying to show off well maybe you're telling me that that he's just showing off with an english accent and furthermore I don't like it. <laughs> well. Oh, but let's talk about what we did like. Cameron, what did you love about this episode? You know, I thought the uh, idea of, I mean, mentioning the multiverse theory is always good for me. And I loved that there is a scientist who was kicked out of the academy for being crazy, kicked out of the Federation. <laughs> That's also really fun for me. Um but all in all, what I loved most was Michelle Phillips' performance. I thought she was lovely and charming and so charming. Just you could definitely I mean, they definitely had chemistry and it was obvious. And I uh yeah, I, I thought that was fantastic. I also loved the idea of witnessing, you know, scientific effects being created before our eyes. And I loved <laughs> I love Deanna checking in on Dr. Crusher, just seeing how she was hanging with the whole sitch. That's pretty great. Um, but yeah, it's, <laughs> you know, it's, it, it has a connection to a certain episode of the original series where Kirk's ex-lover is married to a scientist. You know, it's, it's basically a directly recycled plot, except with the time thing, which was kind of fun to see the 80s effects. I mean, I liked those two. What did you think, they Dan? They were bad. What did you um, love? I really loved the whole time plot. That portion of the episode really worked well for me. Um, although I felt calling it the Mannheim effect was a big missed opportunity to refer to it as Mannheim steamroller. Um, <laughs> Jesus. Uh, which every year, every year, my dad busts out that Christmas album. Every single year, it's that 
and Barbra Streisand. Of course. But the Mannheim, Mannheim steamroller effect would have been a little better, in my opinion. But um, no, it was interesting. I thought that both both Mr. and Mrs. Dr. and Mrs. Mannheim were extremely well acted. A good concept. The effects for doing the time loop were great. You could do those today. Those looked awesome. They did. Um, even when Data, you know, fused into himself, that looked pretty good, all things considered. Um, the notion of somebody exploring and doing experiments and then being lost is always a fun one. I like I like catching up with a mad scientist. That's always a good plot for me. And, you know, talking multiverse theory and introducing the concepts therein. Um, it was a toe in the water, but it worked. It worked for me. Good. The, the overall way that the crew responded to the blips or the hiccups or whatever um, was great. And I I enjoyed getting to see them look at themselves and act with themselves ever so tangentially. It was... <laughs> It was a that whole portion worked really well for me. The Picard subplot stuff was not as it felt very tacked on, so that's more in my didn't care for it section. But I still, even though I didn't care for it and I thought it was kind of useless for the story, um, I still enjoyed his scenes with her a lot. I felt that they had great chemistry, they acted off each other very well. Like their flirting was hot. so hot it was hot um, and uh and the send-off recreating the cafe was 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 nice it didn't really it felt weird in this episode it felt very tacked on but it was still it still worked um to some extent uh the moments in it were fine and very enjoyable at times but the the overall also his girlfriend his ex-girlfriend's here just didn't it felt weird. It felt kind of out of place. Well, this episode was meant to pay tribute to a specific movie that was made in 1942. Can you guess which one? Is it Casablanca? Of course it is. <laughs> Considering the title is We'll Always Have Paris. Yeah, I mean, the plot works like you can see that. Um, but the thing that I always remember from Casablanca is the abuse he well the abuse (laughs) he had to let her go again too he had to tell her to get on the plane he had to say it's not going to happen you know we'll all we will always have paris and there wasn't that tension of like maybe she wants to stay on the ship with him maybe you know maybe she's sick of being kept in a room on a planetoid yeah that was weird i was like oh so you just Sit alone in a room while your husband does experiments. That sounds like a life of adventure. <laughs> um, it's fine. I do my needlework. I do my cross stitch. I love it. Everything's <laughs> fine. Okay. Um, just real quick. Do you, the, uh, there was one other episode this season from The Next Generation that was based on a film from the 40s. And I don't know if we mentioned it before. We might have. I don't remember. I've slept since then. But, was uh, it the... the um, the long goodbye, the big goodbye. Yes, yes, the it big was. Goodbye. Yeah, which was based on the Maltese yeah. Falcon. Hooray! Yep. <laughs> which is an appropriate use of the holodeck. And if this had just been a holodeck episode, I would have said, "Great, great, go crazy with your homages." But I just got whiplash going back and forth between. There's a 
potential crisis that could alter the nature of reality. But also, a girl I haven't seen in 20 years is here, and I'm so upset about it. Who I also left, kind of roughly. Yeah, what a what a coward. I never thought I would think of Picard as a coward, but what a coward. Well, and I don't think he is now, but he definitely was. Oh, yeah. When I think about the way I acted when I was 20, 21, shit. I knew you then. <laughs> yeah, I know you did, Cameron. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> it was a good time um real quick i just have to mention in the things that i loved <laughs> i fucking loved her outfit it was ridiculous oh yeah <laughs> the slits on the side where it's like i'm married but i'm not dead <laughs> well and it was like it looked like an 80s prom dress like a top of the line gown but then it was pants mm-hmm, right w- who also kind of reminded me of the outfit that the genie wears in the broadway version of aladdin yeah a little bit but yeah loved it i think that should be our first cosplay is these will just be (laughs) the manheims (laughs) but he's wearing one too dr manheim is also wearing one of these silken pajama dress oh i love when couples match i know me too my wife does not but it happens But you know what I don't love, Cameron? Everything else. A lot of other things, yeah. Um, (laughs) I'm sure. Lay it on me, Daniel. I don't care for um, a lot of the structure here, like starting with the fed scene, and then he he does like the first holodeck simulation and gets mad at himself for being self-indulgent. Also... Paris in uh, whatever year that was supposed to be looks beautiful. But there was a man at the back of the cafe who is playing electric bongs that are attached to the front of him, stroking them up and down as if he's a cow and he's milking himself. Yep. yep. <laughs> it is the most fabulously bizarre instrument I have ever seen. And it's <laughs> the sound coming out is kind of like an accordion, but the gesture is quite inappropriate. And the object itself looks like something that Snoop Dogg would have on his mantle. Yes. It is truly, truly bizarre and both a terribly distracting thing to have, but also just a delight to stumble upon such a strange. I'm calling it the Electrobong. That's the. <laughs> Oh, and speaking of things that you'd like to have on your mantle, I think I found the second piece of your Delithim crystal serving wear, which is the time distortion, (laughs) which is literally just a spinning crystal column. So, you know, you can use it. Speaking of the time distortion, (laughs) who knew that antimatter was just held in thermoses with trap doors on the bottom? Yep. Those looked so dumb. <laughs> and then when he's just standing there holding it at the trap door on the bottom's just swinging, I'm like, yeah, I'm really not surprised that the other lab blew up. This guy does not know what he's doing <laughs> at all. I mean, you're not wrong. Um, Yeah, so he seemed like he didn't really know what he was doing or cared about anyone's safety except his wife, which is not a great... Great look on a scientist. 
Um, Especially when fence... that safety is a room. <laughs> yeah. Hey, love you, baby. Sit over here. Also, <laughs> um, I noticed for the first time when they were having their little officer's powwow, um, for everything that's changed, office chair technology has not advanced at all. No. Nope. <laughs> they still have the little handle levers on the side. I'm like, huh. So that just hasn't been a priority. They're like, no, this is good. It's like the <laughs> hammer. What are you going to do to improve on a hammer? It's a hammer. Office chairs. We peaked. <laughs> we peaked in the 80s. It was like some, some PA just went to, went to Home Depot or Office Depot uh, in 1987 and was like, yeah, I need like, I don't know, 10 of these, I guess. Do these look like they could be in the future? No, nah, man, they really don't. That's ah, fine. It's an office chair. <laughs> How much? How much is it going to change in you know two hundred years? We'll just we'll make a mauve and it'll be okay. Mm-hmm. Um, I loved and hated uh, Data's trip down on the planet. Um, <laughs> pew pew! <laughs> right? It's like lasers, cartwheels, <laughs> phasers. Ah! It was very original series of them. <laughs> It was very original series. Not as original series as the fight in the next episode. That <laughs> that that one, I'm going to save my comments because, oh boy. Oh boy. Loved that. Made me feel like I was watching the Shat Man. Um, <laughs> yeah, dropping dropping the animated, the antimatter out of that uh, upside down thermos as the like capstone. I was like, oh, this, this action's kind of lame. Oh, but the effect on data is really cool. Oh, the antimatter's super dumb. It was just it was just a wild ride, Cameron. It was a wild ride. Um, and it just... I understand that they wanted to give Picard character depth, but Beverly has outright said now, I can't compete with a ghost. She said, I can't compete. She is interested. That's pretty explicit. Yep. So if they don't get these two together... Are you like going to riot? If we go the whole series and they don't share a kiss, they don't start a relationship, I'm not going to riot. I'm just going to say, why did you dick me around? <laughs> why did you waste my goddamn time? And I have a feeling whatever happens is going to be like an arm's length, friends with benefits sort of situation. Don't tell me whether I'm right or wrong, but that's just the impression I'm getting. And that that worries me. I wish you could see my face cute. right now. Ugh. Well, I hope I hope I'm wrong. I I am not saying anything. All right. <laughs> yeah, I would, right. I would like I would like them to get double married with Deanna and and Riker <laughs> like it's the end of Guys and Dolls. Oh, that would be adorable. Yeah, I bet we could recreate that scene digitally. Yeah, we probably could. Just shop them in there. So, sorry, real quick. I know we're neck deep in hate, but I have to tell you that uh, my cousin Mark, who is a theater professional in Iowa, was just talking about how I was talking about how he had to come record this podcast. And he said that one of his students did a live one-act recreation <laughs> of Pizza Rock. <laughs> No. Yeah, and I was like, "God damn, we've been one up." <laughs> that 
That's that's pretty amazing. I know. I would love to have a horda that just kind of wanders around. Maybe we could does, make mini horda does, robots and sell them on Amazon. Does does he does he have pictures of this? Yeah, somewhere. Okay, get the pictures from him. We'll share it on our on our Facebook and yeah. Instagram. But I was um, like, kudos you. I also need to find out who this student was. Yeah. No kill I. No, no kill, kill I. I. <laughs> Oh shit. Okay. Anyway, back to the hate. Back to the hate. Cameron, what did, what did you hate about this episode? <laughs> I I agree with you. The structure was very strange and the artist in me would like to try and say that they were um hinting at the weird time distortions by how they structured the episode, but that's not actually the case. Um I would like to commend Deborah Dean Davis and Hannah Louise Shearer for getting this thing together. They're the writers of this episode, and it was also mid-writer strike. So, you know, they're... I think they did okay. Well, that's a challenge. But the the structure was very strange. And you're absolutely right. It was all of a sudden, like... um, It was all of a sudden... (laughs) That Michelle Williams was just like, hey, everybody, I'm here, and I'm one of the first major cameos we have. <laughs> right? It's like, man, she's coming in guns blazing. Also, the the double coordinates come to this distress signal. No, now come to this distress signal. I thought that they were wasting time so Picard could go have, like, a second holodeck interlude. No. Two minutes later, they're there. It was just an inconvenience. I wasted everyone's time. Yeah. It's like, ooh, it's so secret. You had to go to one distress signal, and then they give you another one, and you have to go to that. That's not That's not good hiding. That's just wasting people's time. That's a scavenger hunt. <laughs> it's a scavenger hunt that we are not invested in. Um, to be fair, though, right? Shearer said that she wasn't happy with the final results of the episode, and she said that we were writing the most romantic episode in the world but that it was toned down 75 percent mostly because wow. of the writer's strike mm, that's fair that's the gig sometimes sometimes it it just doesn't it just doesn't turn out there's a lot of people involved so won't hold it against them uh also the cafe de artistes was in new york really yeah, and apparently it just closed in 2009. Otherwise, you could go. You could go today, Dan. Oh, my God. It was on Central Park but West w- and 67th Street. Well, it is a. it was a beautiful rendering of Paris. Even it was. though I felt like every time we went to the cafe, it was a waste of time. <laughs> la, la, la. Um... I mean, what did you think of Peace Do Fencing, though? I know it was silly, but... I know. I didn't mind it. Silly self-indulgence, but, you know, kind of did some things for me. When the time glitch happened for a second, I thought, oh, no, it's a holodeck malfunction. (laughs) Um, I was real worried for him. Uh, But I liked liked watching the fencing. I especially liked when he... (laughs) At first, I was like, buddy, they just told, like, it's going to be four and a half hours until they get there. Why are you still wearing your fencing clothes? And then he was like, I need to go change. Like, yeah, yeah, you do. Please, please go take care of that. But uh, <laughs> I did like watching him polish his sword later. Mm, I mean, it's it's an innuendo on an outuendo, as it were. Yeah, it was very meditative. He was very thorough. He was very thorough. 
I liked it. Um, Dan, you also forgot to mention your very favorite part about this episode, and I'm kind of disappointed. Oh, yeah? Yeah. What was that, Cameron? That a very specific character was not in this episode. Oh, yeah, no Wesley. <laughs> See, when he's not around, I forget he exists. <laughs> you know. I'm hopeful. I'm hopeful he'll get better. I just, oh, yeah, he's not in the next one either. Oh, man, this is great. <laughs> <laughs> yeah it or was, his, were his grades slipping or something no it was just vacay I think Fair maybe enough. these writers hated him as much as everyone else did he does get no, better no. Dan and I mean after I just, you after you see it once it, it does get more bearable he kind of grows on you like a tumor like an adorable sweater tumor <laughs> an adorable sweater tumor um Will Wheaton actually talks a lot now about how he and um, LeVar Burton were the only fans of Star Trek in the cast. Everyone else was not. And so they, you know, spent an extra amount of time nerding out and being super happy that they were there. So I think maybe it's that Aww. enthusiasm that makes us all go. But it's hard yeah. to say. Who except knows? Maya. It makes us all. Except Maya. She's been taken it's okay. in. You. You love what you love. You do. And you should never apologize. Absolutely. Well, and I mean, I appreciate him more and more the more I watch it. And I really liked him when I was a teenager. You know, I got it. I understood. Yeah. Adults. <laughs> right. <laughs> In fact, I still understand adults and people. But yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's just, this is a fascinating episode because it just feels incomplete. And that's because it was. Oh, you know what else this show would be incomplete without? Uh, the Mamas and the Papas. Dialogue. Ah. Oh. <laughs> and from the dialogue, we get quotes. I'm so tired, Cameron. My transitions are just not. It's time for quotes. It's Listen time up. for quotes. We're going to speak quotes now. All right. Well, I guess I'll be Janice since since you're captain. Always. Always, always. Hey. I've thought, well, you just, your Picard's so much better than mine. I'm not even going to try and compare. I've thought a lot about this over the years. And perhaps you're leaving out your greatest fear. The real reason you left. Which was? That life with me would somehow have made you ordinary ponders this, then laughs embarrassed. Huh. <laughs> You're wonderful. And am I that transparent? <laughs> Only to me. <laughs> Janice won Picard zero. <laughs> Woo! 15, love! <laughs> I've only been there once, but they've got this great club. I don't remember the name of it. They serve those blue concoctions. It's across the, the square from Zaza Men's Dance Palace. <laughs> <laughs> Damn right it is. It's called the Blue Parrot Cafe, and you're buying. I just love, I love this connection. Even though it's silly and cheesy, I, I love it. You've done well. A great starship on the far reaches of the galaxy. It's everything you'd hoped. Huh. Sorry. Laughs awkwardly. <laughs> Not exactly. Nothing works just as you hope. Ha 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 ha. Ha ha. Data. 
I want this to be an away team of one. You. I don't think there's any reason to risk anyone else. It is reasonable, sir. After all, I am a machine. And dispensable. Indispensable is the appropriate word. Oh, yeah. you do care. <laughs> Perhaps I'm not a man who should have a woman like her. She deserves better. You underestimate her. I know, because I once did. Which is such a weird thing to say. Like... <laughs> Buck I, up, old pal. <laughs> I, yeah, but... But... He says... She deserves better, and he says, you underestimate her. I'm like, are you saying she gets what she deserves? You're good enough for her. <laughs> like, it's just a weird response. I was like, that's that's very vague. I think he was uh, trying to say that she is intelligent, and if she wanted to leave, she would. Feminist icon, Michelle Williams. Um, all the leaves are brown, and the sky is gray. Uh, I don't see that quote. What? I don't see that quote. It's because it's not All the there. leaves are brown. I'm just kidding. <laughs> uh, this time it will be different, I promise. Will it? <laughs> yeah, it will. Oh, okay. All right. I'll be Deanna, you be Beverly. Oh, okay. Oh, shit. That was an actual quote. I'm sorry. You're fine. <laughs> oh, Why shit. I... <laughs> Everything's fine. My... my... My wheel just keeps skipping ahead too far. I think my sensitivity on my mouse got bumped. Um, <laughs> what have you been doing uh -oh. with your mouse, Dan? None of your business. It's all of my business. Counselor Troy, <laughs> are you all right? Why wouldn't I be? I've got one of the medical wonders of the galaxy dying in my sick bay. <laughs> That's so not what I meant. <laughs> I don't think I want to talk about what I think you meant. Mean. Captain Picard. I can't compete with a ghost from his past. No one could. She's not a ghost. She's right here, now. <sighs> she may be here and now, but it's the ghost he sees. But also, pain. <laughs> <sighs> Why didn't you come and meet me that last day in Paris? I was afraid. Oh, I didn't want this what? The truth. Oh, you want me to lie? Of course, a nice, soft, painless lie. Oh, I got the days confused. I thought it was Tuesday when it was Wednesday. I went to the Café Milan instead of the Café des Artistes. Ah, uh, that's better. It was raining and you couldn't find a cab. That, that whole exchange is unbelievable in the episode. It's <laughs> such It's like the most natural flirty wonderful dialogue it's i great. know it's so good mm -hmm. so good definitely my favorite exchange of the whole episode me too <laughs> of course a nice soft painless lie it's Beautiful. just yep remarkable it's it's why i still love this episode is that scene actually yeah that's worth it so cameron Yes, Dan. How many musical electro bongs would you give this episode? <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, I have, a, I have a proposition for you. Should we do musical electro bongs or should we do strokes of the musical electro bong? Strokes of the musical <laughs> electro bongs it is. 
<laughs> you know, I think I would give it two and a half strokes. Yeah, two and a half. Just a little pump, pump, <laughs> Up, up, down. I will give it the exact same. Wow. Two and a half. Look at us. Look at us. I guess our cycles are sinking. Well, <clears throat> I blame it on... Uh, you know, Mercury being in retrograde or whatever the fuck people use to justify their own shitty behavior. Uh, but it is in retrograde, Dan. Actually, it's oh not. Oh, my God. It affects things so bad. Oh, my God. You don't know. Whole, Waves, it's Moriarty. a full moon, guys. It's a full moon. Oh, my God. <laughs> Shut up and just own up to what's wrong with your life, Alicia. I don't know. I'm sick of saying Karen, so I'm trying out new white girl names. Well, uh, Karen is a middle-aged white woman name. I know. So I need like a, I don't know, like a millennial white woman name? Yeah. Kendra. Um, <laughs> Boy, you found that one quickly. Kara. Kara is another good. Anything that starts with K that's not Karen. Yeah. 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 Anyways, <laughs> now that we... Woo! We will be back uh, with Conspiracy. But for now, we've loved it, hated it, quoted it, and rated it. So we that sure just have. one last thing to do. That's for me to wish you all to not just have a great week, but to make it so. Keep on trekking. Cameron, uh, what are you, what are your uh, greatest hits on the electro bomb? Um, well, I would say California Dreaming first and foremost. <laughs> oh, and maybe absolutely. Monday Monday. <laughs> I was gonna go with uh, No Woman No Cry. <laughs> Ooh, I'm into it. How about? <laughs> I would love to hear that. <laughs> How about Isle of Paris? <laughs> Oh, yes. Very good. Uh, you think we could get an Electrobong cover of Rhapsody in Blue? <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. And Bohemian Rhapsody. Yes. Bohemian Rhapsody in Blue, as it were. <laughs> also, we should have an entire album of polka covers, just because. Mm -hmm. It's kind of accordion-like. It would be very perverse. <laughs> Let's just take... Uh... Let's just take all the weird owl polkas and play them on the electrobong. <laughs> so much stroking. Exactly. A secret weapon production.